This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Well, joining us on the phone today is Larry Bradshaw, who is with the Village of Providence Point, or you might want to call it the National Lutheran Communities and Services Corporation. And I think I like owe you like a green jacket or something or other, because you've been on here three or four different times on, the, on this podcast. So we, we, ha- we will have to send you a little bit of a gift because, first of all, we have to say congratulations on your retirement sort of retirement because you are ushering in the village of Providence Point as you have retired from National Lutheran Communities and Services, right? That's correct. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's uh, been a long journey and uh, I've, I've been very, very blessed and fortunate to work with uh, a great organization like National Lutheran, but you know, uh, time comes for everything and uh, it seemed like the right time to retire, but I didn't want to uh, walk away from uh, Providence Point. I'm just real excited about the progress we made, and I'm excited to uh, get it across the finish line. Well, it sounds exciting. You have now, just to bring people up to speed on where we stand, the Village of Providence Point is an adult living community that is what used to be called Crystal Spring. And you have just recently, as of July 1st, submitted what we hope is to be a final application to get this thing off of the ground. And it seems like it has really appeased everybody. But to recap, I mean, the parcel itself is about 175 acres. And initially, before you guys even got involved, it was pretty much developed from Forest Drive all the way back down to the South River. Pretty close. And now it seems to be pretty tight up against Forest and Spa right in that corner with 52 acres. So, I mean, we've gone from 175 down to 52 and it seems like the bulk of the land in this latest application is remaining with the original owner of the property, and that's going to be put into a land trust. Is that the general gist of it? Yeah, it, that, that's the general gist of it. And I can give you a little better feel for it. So you're, you're correct. Uh, this original parcel of land was, is 175 acres approximately owned by uh, Janet Richardson Pearson. I think one of the things that that I like to say is that during this process over the over the years and years, uh, when Mrs. Richardson Pearson purchased this land, I think U.S. Homes uh, was in the process of trying to develop about 700 houses on this site, single-family houses. So she purchased the land at that time back in the 90s, and then as part of her annexation in 2006 agreed to put 75 acres in perpetual easement. So she's really been a a friend of the city of Annapolis and a friend of the environment from the very beginning when she got this land. But, but the way this is, this, our new um, filing has come out is on 175 acres, 75 acres will be as she promised permanently conserved, but it's even gone farther than that, John, actually, our 52 acres is going to be subject to a uh, deed restriction covenant, which we have agreed to and, and included with our filing, which really limits to a great deal any kind of additional development that we can do on our project. And then uh, the rest of the, the land that is owned by Mrs. Richards Pearson is under a conservation easement with the Scenic Rivers Land Trust. So it's been agreed to. It hasn't been signed because the land hasn't been purchased yet. So all in all, our 52 acres will be limited to the units that we have in phase one and phase two. And if I do my math really quickly, uh, it's about 302 independent living units and about 48 healthcare beds. So 
about 350 units, including healthcare beds, is going to be our limit on our site. And then on Mrs. Richardson Pearson's site, she will have a conservation easement that will encompass the rest of the land. So bottom line is the number of acres of trees that we have on the site right now, we will have the exact same number, maybe a little bit over a partial acre over when we get done. So this will be a one-to-one retention of trees uh, on this project, which we're really happy and excited that we're able to do in our in our filing. Well, that's a new thing with the city of Annapolis. They want to get the to to bring that back in, which is a wonderful thing to you know leave that in in the environment there. But you'd mentioned phase one and phase two, and I was looking through the website, which is actually it's thevillageatprovidencepoint.org for anybody that wants to check things out. Is you've got a phase one, which which is the yeah, I finally found somebody that has a longer URL than my own. <laughs> so it's, uh, but the first phase is essentially the bulk of it. Okay. It's got the 200 and some yeah. odd independent living apartments and that's a large building, if you will. And it looks yeah, 216 units in that main building. Correct. Right. And that's that the building that actually looks a lot larger than it looked in previous iterations, but I guess you're combining them into apartments and smaller units as opposed to individual homes. Because I know the original plans had, you know, cottages and everything else sort of spread out throughout that whole 175 acres or close to it. Right. So the main building is actually smaller uh, than originally kind of considered because of the size of the building. We did take out a phase two of that building early on a few years ago. So that, that, that main building of 216 units will have all of the dining venues and, and the uh, wellness center and those things in it. But it is smaller from our previous iterations. The number of cottages, the 30 cottages of have now all been combined, if you will, into one area on the campus, which is just west of Crystal Spring Farm Drive. And there'll be 30 uh, duplexes or cottages in that unit. And then in phase two, which will be closer to uh, Forest Drive, We've eliminated eight cottages up there just due to the, um, the requirements for reforestation that we had. Uh, we just could not get those units in there and still maintain our one-to-one commitment to retain trees. So we put one more floor on what we're calling the Mason Court units, which added 56 units in total in that one building, which will be encompassed basically phase two. So the main building has shrunk a little bit from the plans a long time ago, and you're certainly correct. It was kind of meandering throughout the site. It's now all been consolidated into an area that's about 32 acres of disturbed land. So although we have 52 acres, we'll only be disturbing about 32 acres of it. Well, that's not not bad at all there. Well, July 1st, you submitted your final application to the city, okay? And that meets... You've, you've met pretty much all of their comments or addressed all of their comments and their suggestions and everything else. But the city throughout this whole thing seemed to be probably the least of your worries because there were several environmental groups that essentially, you know, we've got the Stop Crystal Spring that said, hey, hell no, it's not happening. And now you do have the buy-in and the agreement between Stop Crystal Springs. I mean, how did that all come out to play out? I mean, because initially it was... You're you're not building anything. That's that's what we want, and we're not moving. And you know, obviously, your plans have shrunk and massaged and changed throughout the times. But I mean, it seems like you were so so far apart. You know, three or four years ago, and now now we're not. We're here. Well, I think one thing just to clarify, John. Uh, so the submission we met on we put in, in around July first. 
was really res- the result of, of a lot of collaborative work with the city. I don't believe there's anything we filed in this July filing that the city had not yet seen. Now, that is still subject to their review, and I'm sure they will have some comments coming back. But I think with this particular filing, there's going to be very few surprises. We've been able to have a really collaborative opportunity to work with, with Tom Smith and planning and zoning. And I think that's worked very well. We've worked with their stormwater management teams. We work very closely with uh, the traffic. And so there, there, there really are no surprises in this filing, but it still needs to go to the review of the city. In regards to um, the Stop Crystal Spring, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we were a long way apart. And I think through conversations that, that I had with Joe Weingrad, who I've, I've really been working closely with over the past uh, year or so, I, I can't speak for the opposition, but I think at the end of the day, I think there was some realization that there will be something developed on that site at some point in time. And I think having a senior living community such as the village of Providence Point, which doesn't add much traffic, it does bring some extra tax dollars into the city, both from the real estate taxes, but also through the residents who will be living there will be taking part in the city and providing those things. I I think it became, and and I hate to even speak of, I think it just felt like if something's going to be developed there, this is going to be a, a great thing to be developed there. So we kind of came around with an understanding there. And then the opposition really, really helped us in, in quantifying their opposition into four areas. And those four areas were no net loss in trees, which we were able to satisfy traffic uh, mitigation. And the data still comes out, and I know this is a very emotional issue for a lot of people, the data still comes out that we will not be adding any kind of significant trips. Matter of fact, a very minimal number of trips in rush hour, just due to the timing of, of a lot of trips that are taken by our seniors. You know, a lot of seniors are not going to go out in rush hour because they're not going to want to deal with it. They'll do, they'll do their errands, most things off rush hour. And we think that's, that's very appealing to the public. And then we'll be doing some mitigation. We'll be um, extending a through lane on the spa road to Forest Drive. And we'll also be doing some work down Forest Drive, down farther to the west. So even though we're not adding a lot of traffic, I think we're doing some really good mitigation, which our traffic experts, and I think some people uh, even closer to the opposition are saying, the traffic might actually be better with us there than it is now. But I I know that's a very emotional issue. I have never, I, I thought this traffic issue was a red herring all, all along. And I mean, no matter what you built on that property, the city, the state and the county have the right to say, OK, hey, we need, you know, before you can do it, you need to do road improvements. So, I mean, you could have made Forest Drive a, a six lane highway. And if you wanted to build it bad enough, that's what you would have done. And, you know, I, I did look at the traffic stuff and you've, you've got the connector road, which is I don't know whether it's going to be called Skipper's Lane, but it's it would ultimately connect to Skipper's Lane that you're building through your property that the city will then hopefully complete on the other end of it on the I say north end, but the outbound forest drive. And it it didn't seem to be a huge issue with, with traffic. I mean, it's sort of like sitting there saying, Oh my gosh, you know, we're going to overpower the schools. I said, okay, well how many 60 plus, and I know that you had told me at one point that the average age was even older than that, but how many, 
you know, are, are putting kids into school and not to, not to mention the fact that they can't live there, you know, it, it, and, right. and you're, right. and you're absolutely right. I mean, the, my, both of my parents lived into a uh, community similar to this in Florida and they weren't up at six and seven o'clock in the morning every day. They were futzing around in their house and they're, you know, eating breakfast and kibitzing with their friends and, and everything else. And then, you know, 10 o'clock, maybe they start to roll out, which is which is perfectly fine. And there's very minimal traffic. I mean, you're looking maybe some staff, but I mean, you can always adjust that with, you know, with staff hours. I mean, okay, hey, fine. You report in at six as opposed right. to seven or something along those lines if it's a problem. You know, I'm, I'm glad to see that that's that. And you guys also contributed a bunch of money for the city to hopefully continue that road out of your development or out of the community onto um, Skipper's Lane and back through South Cherry Grove. And I guess ultimately it's, it's sort of a pressure relief valve for Forest Drive, if you will. Right, right. Well, I think it's funny, uh, John, that the traffic in the community meetings that we've had, the traffic has been the, the flashpoint. It, it's, it's just extremely emotional. I heard all kinds of stories uh, ranging from um, one individual saying, that they actually were trapped on Forest Drive for hours due to an accident or something else. So there was just a lot of there was just a lot of emotion around that. And you know, I've been doing this a long time with seniors, and I can tell you, I, I I'm pretty sure that any develop I've been involved development I've been involved with has not ever added any traffic burdens <laughs> in or near where it is. But people don't always get that, so. Like I said, I understand it's emotional, and but but I think we have done a pretty good job of getting this to the point where I, I think it's going to be better than it is now. It's not going to make it a an A plus road by any means, but I think it will make it make it better than what it is. Yeah, and and I've I've been stuck in that traffic when when a telephone pole or a tree comes down across Forest Drive, and we're on a peninsula. I mean, what, you know, what, what can, what can yeah. we say? There's nothing, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. And, you know, I will, I will fault the city because they don't have a true plan for that, which I've always been harping on is, you know, Hey, they should have something that says, okay, if a tree falls here, this is what we need to do to get people around, whether it's take them, you know, down through the center of downtown Annapolis and out West street or whatever it may be, but they don't have that and they should, but that's way beyond what the scope is for the village of Providence point. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to work with Gerald Weingrad as well as the you know the folks at the Stop Crystal Springs. I mean, what what were the environmental issues that are included in the project that were really there? Buzz. I mean, obviously we've got the tree canopy and the and the one for one, or actually one plus for one tree right. uh, replacement. But what what other environmental issues were the big stickling points that have been resolved? Well, I think the other the other big area is the stormwater management because of the uh, erosion and, and all of that, that water coming off the site going down to, to Crab Creek, I think was, um, was a pretty significant issue. So what we've tried to do in, in this filing is we've added some environmental site design features, um, many throughout the site, and I think the number was 89, but I maybe 86. But there was a lot of environmental site design features that are going to be kind of strewn with, within the site so water, as it as rainwater comes in, it's going to be treated almost immediately, and uh, we really think that with this design, and, and we've worked with uh, Stop Crystal Springs Stormwater Management Consultants. We work very closely with them. We presented them with all of our plans, 
they had some comments come back. We we looked at those comments and integrated them where we can. So the stormwater management has been very collaborative throughout the site. And then also one of the things that we've done is we have agreed to restore a stream that is badly it's in bad shape. I, if I showed you some pictures before and, and how it will look after, you'll be amazed at what that can do. But there's a lot of water that comes, surface water that comes off of the athletic fields at the middle school. It comes underneath a spa road onto the site and then ultimately down to the creek. So that that stream is badly eroded. It's, it's not good at all. So what we put in our program is that we're going to restore approximately 500 linear feet of the stream on the site. So it will be done in kind of a stair-step fashion. So as water comes from the other side of Spa Road to that road, the water will be treated in this, this newly designed stream restoration. And as it, as it comes through, it'll be treated and it'll be filtered back in through the sand and the filtering mechanisms within this restoration. So it should not get to, to Crab Creek at all. So part of the environmental issues we're doing is to clean up that, that potential pollution uh, to Crab Creek. And I think our design has met those, those concerns. So bottom line is all the water will be treated on site. We'll treat greater than 125%. If you can get 100, greater than 100%, you know, when I was in school, it was always 100% was all you could give. But, That's right. But, uh, but uh, we have designed it so... Um, We'll treat, uh, we'll meet 125% of the city stormwater management requirements, and uh, we should be addressing a 20-year storm event. So it, it, it should all be addressed on site, which was, a, which was a big issue. And if for some reason we get a 50 or 100-year type of storm event, then any overflow will, will kind of revert back to the natural hydrology of the site. But, but it will still all be in some way, shape, or form treated, even if it's overflow, you know, you're going to get some treatment. You're just going to not have the capacity to do it all. But that's not going to happen very often. And, and so we were able to, to work with Gerald Weingrad and his team, along with their consultants, to really make that happen, which was very important, I think, an important element in, in, in beginning to, to come to an agreement on stormwater management. And then the, the last issue that they really were requiring was that a conservation easement be put on the entire site. Scenic Rivers Land Trust has agreed to that agreement. Mrs. Richard Richardson Pearson has agreed to that. And we did the Providence Point site is not going to be included in that conservation easement, but we put in um, restricted deed covenants that would limit any kind of future development on our site too. So the bottom line is the trees one-to-one, -one, the stormwater management was a huge issue, the traffic mitigation issues, and then finally really limiting any future development on the site was a, was a large issue also. And if I look back as we began to kind of plow through those four issues, coming to an agreement on those four issues was really essential and in, in getting to the point we are, both with the city planning and zoning and also with the um, concerned citizens or the stop Crystal Spring group. Sure. Well, I, I'm looking at the map and that, that creek that you're looking to restore there, that's pretty far removed from your property. 
from from the facilities that you're looking to build. So that's you know part of the it larger is. parcel it that is. that Richardson Pearson has, but it's uh, pretty far removed from the 52 acres that you're going to be occupying on that corner of Spa and Forest Drive. Correct. It is. It's, it's quite a ways down Spa actually, but it's uh, yeah, it was a significant environmental feature to uh, to address in the process. Sure. Well. I know when this gets underway, I mean, obviously this is going to be adding to the employment roles for the city under construction, but what are we looking at as far as contributions to the city as far as employment when we are all up and done? Well, we have, I can never remember what these numbers are, but we expect we're going to have a couple hundred people employed on the site pretty much all the time between clinical, between housekeeping, dining, administrative staff, nurses, I'm probably forgetting something. Uh, maintenance staff, uh, information technology. Probably going to have a couple hundred people who are there all the time. During the construction, we'll have a significant number of people, obviously, in the construction side. Uh, we have spoken to some leadership within the community about jobs programs, which we're going to hopefully begin to develop this next year while we get ready for construction. I think that'll be important to uh, the city of Annapolis. So I, I think it's just going to be a... I think it's just going to be a real win to the community, to be honest with you. Well, good. Well, I know I know that the last time we talked, you said that you had received approval from the state to start selling or taking deposits. And I know there's a whole bunch of steps that you would explain that you've got to get to this level of percentage of deposits and interest and so on before you can move on to the next step. I mean, where do we stand in those milestones? I mean, and I know most of that was in the interest of consumer protection um, that, you know, people aren't right. giving, giving you money and all of a sudden... You know, y'all know you retire and, and go to Florida or something, you know, but, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go there, John, yeah. at all. Um, so uh, Maryland Department of Aging, we're licensed this community. And so the Maryland Department of Aging does have certain requirements. They have requirements that if someone pays a 10% deposit on, a, on an account and for whatever reason they decide to not go forward, uh, we're required to provide them a refund for that. And it is all about really consumer advocacy. Uh, we have to get 65% of our units pre-sold. So quick math is it's around 156-ish units uh, on 246. We started taking 10% deposits after we received approval for our contracts and all those things. Because it should also be noted that if a prospective resident comes in to the community we have to have a contract ready for them then, and they have to sign it, and we have to sign it. So we're committed to it, even though they have the opportunity to go out of the project if they prefer to do so. So we provide that to them, and then they provide us a 10% deposit on on their kind of upfront fee. And then so right now, I can tell you that we started doing that in May. As of last week, I think we were at 39 uh, units and we were hoping to be at 50 by the end of August. So that would put us at just about a third of the way in a May, June, July, August, uh, three and a half months time frame. So we think that's pretty strong. And then once you hit that, then you can proceed with construction? Yes. So the things we have left to do, we obviously have to get approval by the planning commission of the city. And we're hoping to still do that uh, this year. So we have to get that done. We have to uh, finish our drawings. I, I kind of slowed down some of the drawings uh, while we moved through this process with uh, the South Crystal Spring folks and, and worked with the city. 
because I didn't want to necessarily spend that money until we knew exactly uh, how the filings were going to go. But now we are in the middle of design drawings that will take us to the end of the year, and then we'll have construction drawings that will most likely take us to around June of next year. So if everything works right, hopefully about this time next year, we hopefully will be gathering someplace, assuming all those approvals are given, and we'll be having kind of a, a groundbreaking ceremony that uh, I will be more than happy to attend. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, once once you break ground, I mean, what is your construction schedule? I mean, breaking ground, that's okay. That they, They're waving the flag and you're off to the races. I mean, when? Yeah. how long would it be for the first residents to move in and win completion? It's about a 24-month construction. So if we, if we would start in the third quarter of 2022, we would probably be welcoming the first residents around the middle of uh, 2024. Okay. And then completion, you said it's about 24 months for completion of that. And when, when would phase two jump in there? Or is that all sort of up in the air? I think that's, that is dependent upon uh, kind of marketing and sales. One of the things, so we filed our application with the, with the city. And if we get approval for that, phase two approval will be in as a part of that approval. So we won't have to go back to the city for anything unless we radically change phase two, which I can't see doing because of all the restrictions we have. But I think in a perfect world, we would probably introduce that phase two product sometime during marketing of what we're doing now. And if all of a sudden a lot of people wanted that, we would then go back to the DOA, amend our feasibility study, add those units into it. And then we could actually roll right into that before we were actually completed the, the first phase of construction, we could roll right into that. It's really all going to be market driven. And since I won't be here for the president CEO, but I would, that, that would be my strategy on it. And I think you'll see um, Cindy Walters, our new CEO, I think you'll, you'll have her looking at some more things. It's, it would be really nice to get that all done not the same time, but you roll right out of phase one, you finish up phase two, and then you have everything done. There's some advantages to not having a prolonged construction period for the residents. Yeah, that, no, that's there's nothing worse than that. I know that they built out my mother's community down in Florida, and it was for a while, you know, she was always squawking about the noise and the jackhammers and, the, and, and everything else, but that's, you know... That was what she used to do for all of her life, squawk about different things. So it worked out well for her. But, but for those that are interested in living there um, at Providence Point, obviously we want to go to the village at providencepoint.org or go visit your office. Would you have an office at what, 1997 Annapolis Exchange Parkway? That's it. So you're exactly right. And uh, thank you again for the plug, John. The, uh, we'll be opening our, uh, officially opening our sales center around October 1st, and uh, I just visited where that will be located, as you just mentioned, the address. It's going to be a, a really great place. Uh, we'll have a mock unit in that site, so if you're looking for a certain unit, you can go in and see the variety of finishes that we will be able to offer, and uh, we have sales counselors there uh, that uh, certainly can help pretty much everybody go through the process. Yeah, that, that's the best way to do it. It's the, the village at provincepoint.org or uh, certainly um, phone number is on the site for where you can call or if you can go to the, the actual office, you'll just be amazed at the sales center we put together. So I'm sure that anybody who's interested will, will be very well taken care of in the process. And then, and then again, all they need is a sign an agreement and leave a 10% refundable at this point. Uh, deposit down on that and they can they can change their mind and walk out at this point 
Yeah, I think if they if per the contract, I believe if if someone puts a ten percent deposit down and does decide for whatever reason, unless it's medical or unless uh, if there's a spouse, if one of the spouses would would pass away, there's a small kind of administrative fee uh, right. in that, but for the most part, it's fully sure. totally refundable. Sure, sure. And for anybody that just wants information on the project, the village of Providence org again is, is the website there. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I look at your personal time, you know, at the, at the organization, you've been around the block a few times with NLCS and you've got four communities, three organizations. Have you ever experienced something as difficult as this? No, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, all right. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not no. going to ask you to, to elaborate, but we'll, we'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I think, John, um, the, the big difference is that there was such a organized effort against us that was very significant. For instance, in the same period of time when we started working with, at that time, Crystal Spring, we also started working, uh, we were just a little bit ahead of our project at the Village Orchard Ridge in Winchester, Virginia, and, and we've now been open there for eight years and we've done two phases. So, uh, but there was no opposition, and I think the sensitivity of the environment in Annapolis uh, is much more prevalent certainly there than Winchester. So, no, it hasn't been more, I don't think I've ever done anyone that's been as difficult or certainly more difficult, but I can also tell you from my experience, I've never developed a project that is as environmentally sensitive as is, is, is a proponent of uh, recognition of the environment that this project will be. And I think that's something while We've never done that before. That hasn't been a focus. It's been a learning opportunity, and this is just going to be an amazing, hopefully, uh, you know, people will be able to look at this and say, well, gee, if, if they were able to do some of those things in the environment in this project, maybe we can do it. So maybe it's a small step on on the realization that we, we can kind of mix uh, the viability of a project with the environmental soundness of a project. So while it was difficult, and it's taken a lot longer than, than I would have hoped, I'm a firm believer there's always some learning opportunities uh, in, in challenge. Can you name them the mayors that you've gone through? You've, you've outlasted every politician uh, here. <laughs> Josh, Josh Cohen, um, Mr. Panelides, and Gavin. Uh, no, Gavin Buckley. And, and, and Mayor Buckley may be going into a second term. We're in the midst of an election, um, so I don't imagine the election will play any, because uh, he would be term limited, wouldn't play any kind of uh, shenanigans with this. So this is this is exciting. I mean, I've been a fan of, of this project, you know, in almost any iteration from the get-go. I think it is really good for Annapolis. I think it's good for our aging community, um, which I am quickly becoming part of and uh it's good building it is uh it could very well be a walmart or a best buy and a home depot and that's something we we don't want and i think that you know you guys right. have figured out a way to make this work and you know god bless you for that that's you know that seemed seemed absolutely insurmountable two years ago when i think we first talked and you know you had yeah, well go ahead bring the bulldozers on we're just gonna lay down and you know i mean that was what it was you're not you're not bringing a bulldozer on on this property, um, regardless of the fact that I don't own the property. But look where we are today. This is exciting, and I'm I'm very happy for you. I'm happy that you're staying on to see it through, and um, I hope you're getting a chance to enjoy your retirement. You know, it was funny. I, I was look I was looking through your fact on the website, and you listed your project team that was on here, 
And I got a little bit of a laugh that you're, you know, you're listening about who's the designer and the engineers and everything else. And the only category that had more than one line was land use attorneys. And I said, that's Annapolis. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, well, uh, you, you know uh, John, I, I just I'd say thank you because you have been a proponent of the project. You've had me on. I think this is uh, my third time on your podcast and, and, and you've always been very supportive, even in, in those dark days. But uh, so uh, I appreciate you hanging with us also. But, you know, I, I, I just have to give a lot of credit to a lot of people because our, our team stuck with it. But, but also sometimes you just have to tip your hat to the opposition. You know, they, they could have dug their heels in the ground, said absolutely no, nothing's going to be here. But that's not how it has transpired over the past couple of years. It's been we don't want certain things and we want certain things and i think and maybe it's part of my um my learning process i i i went to the opposition i said look how do we work together and get something here because this is a this is a private landowner and mrs richardson pearson she certainly uh, i i think she did this the city such a service by uh, avoiding 700 homes on that site which would have not been a good thing for a lot of people and and i think um Janet had the, the right to develop the site, and I think we all came to a conclusion in a product that I think the city is going to be proud of. I think, I think the mayor and city planning can be proud of. I think the opposition can be proud of. And, and most importantly, I think um, we can all be really proud of it, how it, it treats very sensitively the environment. So I'm, I'm just happy for it. I mean, that's been a long 10 years. And uh, I had hair when this, this started. I don't have hair anymore. But, <laughs> no, I, I really didn't have hair when this started. But, you know, those are things that don't kill you. Help me make you stronger. And I think we learned a lot from it. Well, I'll tell you what. I hope to see you at a groundbreaking in August of 2022. And I, you know, I thank you again, Larry, for your time today. And for those that are forgot or just joining, we're speaking with Larry Bradshaw, who is the former CEO of National Lutheran Communities and Services, which is the parent entity for the village of Providence Point, which is a new community going in at the corner. It's not really a corner because it's kind of a sweeping curve of Spa Road and Forest Drive. And for people that want information, thevillageatprovidencepoint.org is the website. And that would get you started to find out all about it. They do have all the documents on there as well. So, I mean, if you're interested from a, you know, a resident point of view, like, hey, what's going on in here? That's the place to go as well as if you're thinking, hey, maybe this is a place for mom or dad or me. That's where the good start is. And my fingers are crossed for you guys. And I hope that in August 20th of 2022, I can go up to, I don't know, someplace up there in that 52 acres and, and see you digging a shovel in there with the mayor and uh, the county executive and whoever else you want to invite to, you know, to do it. And I'm sure, I'm sure former Senator Weingrad will be there as well. I, I hope they're all there, and uh, I hope you have the opportunity to put that hard hat on and, and turn a couple of shovelfuls of dirt. It'll be, it'll be great. It's, uh, but again, it's just uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that we are able to get in front of the planning commission by the end of the year. Um, I think we have a great story, and, and I'm just excited. I'm excited more than anything for the city of Annapolis because I think this is just going to be a, a flagship and something I think hope all all the city can just say. Uh, wow, we're, we're proud to have that here in our city limits. And uh, if that's the case, then it's a win-win for everybody. And, and I think it does get any better than that. 
Fantastic. Larry Bradshaw, thank you very much for your time today. I'm sorry to pull you out of your retirement for this. Um, maybe go, 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 go get a golf game or a game of tennis or something or other to you know, fill out the rest of the day. Um, but thank you very much. And you know, congratulations. And I look forward to following this through for the next year. Yeah, well, well, John, thank you, too. Uh, I look forward to uh, uh, continuing to work on it, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and I had a great career. I'm very uh, very fortunate, so uh, this is a good way to, to finish it off, finish it off with uh, such a great project in Annapolis. So we have a lot of people to be thankful for, so I'm appreciative of that. And thank you. I appreciate it very much. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at IonAnnapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.